but yeah, I am trolling eBay and Mercari for Supernatural DVDs. And I've got, like I said, I bought seasons 5, 8, and 10. So I have t- the two gayest seasons, 8 and 10. In- I've purchased them. They're mine. I didn't let myself get season 11 because I hate Amara so much. (laughs) Season 7 will probably be the last one that I buy. Season 11 is currently breaking me because it's it's not the Widow's arc, but it's like right before the Widow's arc of like Cassifer. Cassifer though. Cassifer hurts. Cassifer hurts. Um, but yeah. So, how are you doing, Evan? I've been doing good. Just been chilling, living my unemployed life. But I got a job interview for Friday, which I'm very excited about. Wow, good for you. That's more than I've had all year. (laughs) I have a couple friends that already currently work there, so... Damn, did you even get a chance to go on unemployment for a hot minute? Nope, not even. Because I've been so distracted, I haven't even filed for my unemployment yet. (laughs) Because I'm already going to be fucking employed at this point. Yeah, it's... I'm just trying to make this podcast work. That's honestly, I've become my new goal. I've picked up like 7,000 new TikTok followers in the last two days. Oh my Um, God. I have like 8,500 TikTok followers as we speak right now. It's crazy. I'm so happy for you. All I've been doing is rewatching Supernatural and then yelling about it. And people seem to enjoy that, especially when I say, fuck John Winchester. I agree. Fuck John Winchester. I'm trying to usher them over from Supernatural to Shameless Thumb. Like, if you love hating John Winchester, I present Terry Milkovich. And if you watch Supernatural, but the gay version, watch Shameless, but just the Mickey edit. (laughs) You're not wrong. Just the Mickey version. It's... Dean and Mickey would be best friends. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I am currently working on my Dean Winchester episode of the new podcast that I want to start. Yes. I'm not going to say the title yet, but I am going to start working on a podcast where I talk about one gay character from a television show every week. And I want to do a whole chunk at the beginning that's just supernatural characters. And that would be fun, I think. What, what other characters besides like mainly like Dean and Cass are you thinking of doing? Cass, Dean, there is not enough to do a whole episode on Benny, but maybe I'll do an episode of like Benny and Claire because there's zero chance that Claire is a heterosexual um and charlie Ooh, i love me some charlie yeah charlie deserves her own episode so i think i might give charlie an episode they might be shorter they might be longer i don't know the dean one i'm currently at 16 pages of notes but i'm only up through season 11 so it's a lot i'm trying to finish my rewatch before i start recording it but that announcement of that podcast will be coming soon but until then this is you know what sorry we're gonna talk about supernatural one more time you definitely could do the whole uh donna jody arc that they queer baited lesbian moms to us about i will be bitter until the day that i die that wayward sisters doesn't exist i'm so mad you know why they canceled it is because they thought freaking um kim rhodes was too old what yep that's what Kim Kim ended up coming out on Twitter, like, because Wayward was supposed to start after, what, season 11, season 12? Uh, they haven't done the Wayward Sisters episode yet, so it must be in season 12. Yeah, so I think it was supposed to be season 12. Um, Like, that's when it was going to, like, start up from after, like, that's when theirs was going to pick up, like, that, like, su- supernatural, like, era. But, like, yeah, Kim went on Twitter and said that, like they were they wanted to do it like every all the girls were down to do it but the executives or someone or whatever just thought kim was too old to keep a show or like 
because obviously like they weren't expecting to go more than a season just because that's how the CW is. But I was like really mad the fact that they told her that she was too old. Like, girl, you have a fan favorite right in front of your face saying that she will do a show for your like fucking like network and you say too old. And she carried a whole fan base. Like the the people that knew her from Zack and Cody were like the correct age to love her in Zack and Cody. That then became the correct age to love her in Supernatural. That would have been then the correct age to love her in Wayward Sisters. Like I don't understand. I just googled her to see how old she was. So by the time Wayward Sisters was gonna be coming out, she wouldn't have even been fifty. Are you kidding me? And she looks amazing, too. 51. So if you put it in, like, time... So it probably would have put her at, like, 47, 48. That's not old at all! That woman looks amazing. (laughs) That's so fucking stupid. I'm so mad Um, on her behalf. So I'll be mad about that until the day that I die, and I will discuss that on my uh, season. And I will be doing a Mickey episode and an Ian episode. I am not abandoning Shameless within that universe. We just already um, do that every week on our podcast. <laughs> so yes. we're going to save the best for last. You're going to save the best for last. Uh, and I will welcome anybody else's uh, suggestions of queer characters. I'd like to do ones from shows that I've seen, but I like will do research on ones that I have not seen because I want to speak from a place of knowing it. But until then, that's a whole other podcast that I'll talk about at another time when I actually have recorded the first episode. But this is this podcast. This is The Luck We Had, a shameless recap podcast. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. I am one of your hosts. My name is Amanda. And I'm Evan. I'm your other host. And welcome back to the season two finale. The season two finale. I'm so fucking excited because season two ending means season three is right there. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Season three is so close. We can taste it. Literally. It's just an arm reach away. Season three is when I fully fell head over heels for this show. Season three fucks you up in the best worst way. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm really excited for it. Before we get to season three, we've got to finish season two. So welcome, everybody. This is season two, episode 12 of the Luck We Had podcast. And we are recapping season two, episode 12 of Shameless called Fiona Interrupted, a play on Girl Interrupted, which is probably... Oh, and this is the one... Oh, wait, no. That was the last episode. We put a trigger warning at the top of the last episode. Yeah, because the the almighty Thanksgiving episode. Yeah, so this one actually takes place moments after that one ends. So they're still in the in the aftermath of what has just happened. Uh, Monica has tried to unalive herself. So yeah, again, this is like picking up like the night of Thanksgiving on, but it aired on April 1st. How dare they give us a season finale on an April Fool's Day? Yeah, like one, it's a Thanksgiving episode that happened in January. (laughs) And then a whole month later, it's not January. I don't know time, fucking April. (laughs) At the end of this episode, I want us to discuss all of the promo pics and the stuff we're anticipating for the back half of season 11 too. I want to talk about that at the end of this episode. Yes, yes. So everybody stick through to the end of the episode where we talk about predictions and all the stills that have just come out for... 1105 which by the time this airs will have already happened yeah those stills are kind of (laughs) confusing but we'll talk about that later let's stay in the season finale of season two april 1st 2012 written this episode with john wells took the helm of this one and he said i'm gonna write this i'm gonna direct this so john wells creator of the u.s series i've got nothing else to say about him honestly he made the series and on kind of a little bit fuck this guy i'm grateful he 
willed the series into existence, but he makes some decisions that make me want to, like, let's have a conversation. Much like us with the CW, always. Always. <laughs> uh, John Walls and Andrew Dabb, I bet they'd be best friends because they love to queer bait us and then give us nothing. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> they would get along very well. Latoya Morgan, this is the last episode of season two that she is credited on because it's the last episode of season two. She's our season two staff writer. She's... An all-star. Love you, LaToya. And it was directed by John Wells. I'm not going to give another bio for this guy. We know this guy. Uh, The title is Fiona Interrupted. So it's about Fiona and Monica because of the girl interrupted joke and the whole, you know, girl interrupted thing. And Monica is now in the mental health part of the hospital and all that. The synopsis, short and sweet. Frank schemes to break Monica out of the facility, comma, Jimmy earns his way back. Very subtle. (laughs) That's it. That's the whole synopsis. And again, they've forgotten whatever other character is, so Frank does the previously on. And previously on Shameless, Jimmy Steve brought his wife Estefania's boyfriend to the States and left them in a hotel room. Ian is being preyed upon by an old man. Jimmy kicked Lip out. And Lip is now crashing with Mandy because Fiona had kicked Lip out for dropping out of school. Karen had the baby. It's not Lips. And he has Down syndrome. Monica slipped into a depressive episode and attempted to unalive herself. Uh, she has been admitted for observation to the hospital. And Sheila stole the baby from that, the hospital. The most iconic moment in all of history. Sheila riding away with a Jody on the back of a motorcycle holding a baby. And Frank passed out on the sidewalk. Frank walked away from everything happening with Monica, got drunk, and passed out on the sidewalk. And we pick up mere moments later on Thanksgiving night with Frank drunkenly stumbling down the street, screaming Monica's name at the top of his lungs outside the hospital window at the dead of night. And the security of the hospital finds him and he goes on a rant like, you stole my wife! You stole my wife! Like, no, they're making your wife better, but okay. And security kicks him off the property. Good. <laughs> Fuck rank. And then for something completely different, Jody and Sheila being so fucking cute with this baby. Uh, they- Should have been the only parents, first of all. <laughs> they name him Hiram after Sheila's dad, I think. Uh... They name him Hiram and they call him Jaime for short. Jody says they should give him a Chinese name uh, and Sheila gives some like vaguely racist suggestions, but she's trying her best. <laughs> They're a little confused, but they got the spirit, but they go with Jaime. That is the baby's name now. Jody says he has a breast milk hookup so they can get some breast milk for the baby. And they're like tending to the baby and they're being very cute. And then they hear sirens go by and they both get very tense because they're like, we straight up stole, we stole the baby. <laughs> Even though he's Sheila's grandson. Like, he's Sheila's grandson. It's not like some random person kidnapped the baby. So they brainstorm places to hide him if someone keeps looking and they settle on the dryer. They just can't forget that he's in there. They're just gonna hide him in the dryer if anybody comes looking for him. You know, like Karen, who's gonna come home and just know that her mom stole that baby. Back at the Gallagher house, all the kids uh, climb out of the car and come home to the mess of Thanksgiving and Monica's blood all over the kitchen floor. So Veronica keeps Debbie and the kids out of the kitchen and she keeps them in the living room trying to get them to help her clean up all of the dishes and all the food and stuff from Thanksgiving while Fiona makes her way into the kitchen and sees the blood. The fact that they had to clean that up, I feel like... 
is that normal for like yeah. instances like that? Like you have to clean that shit up? Yeah. Even in like murder scenarios, forensics will come in, do the job of forensics. And then once they declare they've gotten everything they need out of the space, you can hire a company to come clean it or clean it your damn self. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. This scene is like very sweet though, because like shout out to Jimmy. This scene is so powerful because almost between the time when they get out of the car, like six, seven minutes into this scene, almost nothing is said. Yeah, There's no, little it's things. silent. There's little things like, come on, Debbie, and like ushering the kids up to, like Veronica ushering the kids out of the room, like little tiny comments here and there, but it's mostly just complete silence. And um, and then eventually a score comes in and Fiona and Jimmy Steve just start cleaning up the blood on the floor. And uh, at one point they stop in the middle they're both on the floor cleaning up the blood and Fiona just starts to cry and Jimmy Steve stops and like holds her there for a second while she cries and then she shakes it off and she keeps, she just keeps cleaning the kitchen. Like, God, I can't imagine like what the fuck that felt like. Emmy and Justin are killing it in this scene because she, she says really quietly at one point too, these poor kids and Jimmy's like, well, they were already pretty fucked up and like that makes... That makes her laugh a little bit. And like, personally, I'm very glad Fiona has Jimmy in this moment because she would not have been able to get through this on her own. Oh, yeah. She would have not been able to get out. Go Like, she would have been even worse. And she deserved to have somebody there that like to, to hold on to her, to pick her up from this, to help her clean her mother's blood off of the kitchen floor. And it's powerful and it's beautiful. And it's just like... I could not take my eyes off the screen. Like, just their pure chemistry and just everything happening in the scene is just... It was so hard to watch, but, like, I sunk into it. And then we go in a similar, like, sad vein. We go back to the hospital where Lip has returned from his, like... After the baby was born, he walked out. And he needed he needed to cool off because, like... Yeah, imagine process. thinking it's your kid and then it's not your kid. And also it's a, a child with a like condition and so like this man's not going through a raid no and because he's got a toxic attachment to karen he wanders back in down the maternity ward past all these happy couples and their happy babies and he goes into her room and he sits down and he falls asleep in the chair next to her bed like why do you keep going to this woman that hurts you all the time himself in such vulnerable situations i'm like enough lip you're better than this and then over at the Gallagher house, Kev is sitting at the counter eating leftover turkey while V, Jimmy, and Fiona finish cleaning, like, the dishes and everything. And it's still very quiet and very somber. V kisses her friend goodnight and takes the trash with her when she and Kev leave. Because Kev and V are always, they're always just there. Whenever Fiona needs them, they, she doesn't have to ask. They're just there. And so then it's Fiona and Jimmy alone in the kitchen. All the kids are in bed. They finish the dishes and Fiona kisses Jimmy and, like, kind of just loses herself in him. And the uh, the song that's playing under it is Winter by Josh Radin. And I don't know if you ever watched Scrubs. Um, this is also the song that played uh, in an episode of Scrubs when the Brendan Fraser character has died. And Dr. Cox is just realizing that they're at his funeral. It's this beautiful, haunting, heartbreaking song, Winter, that plays underneath. But, like, it's it's... There's something about it. It just pulls me in. Like, it's fucking beautiful. And they kiss and they hold each other. And Fiona holds out her hand. 
and like beckons for Jimmy to join her upstairs. And the song keeps playing during a really touching emotional scene of Fiona and Jimmy like getting undressed and like connecting and like they're gonna, they're gonna uh, have sex, but they get interrupted by Debbie and Carl like knocking on the, on the door. And they just, Debbie and Carl need, they need their mom, but like Fiona is that for them. They need somebody to cry all over. Like, it it hurts. It hurts. So- They're so sad and innocent because, like, the show always makes us forget, like, one reason because they never have consistent birthdays. So we never know how old they are. But, like, I feel like the show always, like, you don't feel like those characters have innocence or whatever. And then you give them, like, this in-touch scene and then you just have these two little babies because you forget they're babies. And, of course, they just went through, like, a, such a dramatic event. And, like, Debbie and Carl go and just curl up under Fiona's arms and she holds them. And But Ian also arrives in the doorframe and just sort of hovers there. Like, they all just need to be around each other. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, very sad and that we fade away from that. And then the next morning, uh, we see a truck driver wander back into his truck, get into his big rig, pull away. And we see Frank lying. He had been sleeping underneath the truck. How did he not get run over? (laughs) Well, there's a wide berth between those trucks and they just go straight when they pull out. So the guy just pulled right over him. So Frank just wakes up and walks away. Also waking up, Lip in an uncomfortable hospital chair where Karen is awake in her bed and she says somebody stole the baby, but she's pretty sure it's her mom. (laughs) Because it was. Yeah, and, like, that's why she does, like, doesn't send, like, the cops after her. her. She was like, my mom took them, I know. (laughs) Yeah, and she says she wants the baby back just so she can, like, get rid of it again. And Lip says, well, why don't you just let your mom keep the baby? She clearly wants the baby. But Karen is like, I don't want that fucking baby. Like, the monster that she is. And if her mom keeps the baby and she lives in the house with her mom, that means she's going to have to be around it. Uh, So she very coldly tells Lip, uh, go find out when we can leave. I want to get breakfast. Bitch. And at the Gallagher's, Jimmy wakes up in bed with Debbie and Carl because they all just fell asleep together. And he goes downstairs and sees Fiona making breakfast out of their Thanksgiving leftovers because that's what you do. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, you eat that shit for, like, three days after Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, minimum. Minimum three days. Then Ian comes down and teases Steve, um, and Fiona points out that his name is Jimmy now. She's like, Jimmy, his name is Jimmy? Steve was just an alias he used to lie to me about who he really was. (laughs) The the awesome Ian line, ooh, not cool, Jimmy Steve. Oh, and then the Jimmy Steve arc has been born even though we've been calling him that since season one yes the times i had when we first started the podcast we referred to him as that and we were like oh shit we shouldn't say that (laughs) i had to edit out us saying jimmy steve so many times because like for some reason like jimmy steve just flows off the tongue so easily it's just it's just so easy just to call him jimmy steve And it's a funny name, so that's what he gets. And Jimmy says that he changed his name when he met Fiona because he was a car thief and he didn't want to, you know, get caught with his real name. And Fiona's like, yeah, yeah, okay. I want to meet your family. I want to know things about you. He's like, well, they're all nasty and they're all fucking awful. And she's like, well, fuck you. So is mine. I want to meet them. And they, like, sort of agree. He's like, fine, whatever. I'll set it up. We can meet my family if that's what you really want. So at this point with Jimmy C's family, we've only met his mom, mom and, and his brother and his brother and then the girl he was supposedly like dating engaged to, right? 
And we never hear a single word about that woman ever again. We never hear anything about that woman because, like, once we forget about her, then we have fucking um, uh, Estefania. Yeah, never hear a word about that woman again. That was a plot line that they threw in that they forgot to finish. Yeah, literally. Because um, <laughs> that was, like, mid-season one or end-of-season yeah, one. Yeah, and then at the hospital, Frank is visiting Monica, and we're not going to think about season five. That's what we're not going to do. He asks if Monica needs anything, and she asks for clothes, because all of her clothes were ruined. They were covered in blood, so she just wants her own, like, underwear to wear. And, um... He lies and he's like, we went home and I talked with the kids and I tucked him in. And she's like, no, you didn't. Yeah, I, I, as like, as much as this scene like makes me sad and like, obviously Monica's like heavily sedated. Like she knows, like, she's like, I fuck those kids up. And she was like, yeah, Frank, you didn't do nothing. I know, I, she knows that man. Yeah, she feels horrible for what she did to the kids. Um, but like, yeah, she feels like shit, and she knows that Frank didn't do anything to make it better. Yeah. And she tells- he's like, well, you're- it's only 72 hours, you've already got 48 under your belt, everything's gonna be fine. And she's like, I signed myself in for 60 days, Frank, I need help. That's, like, such a big step for, like, any of the Gallagher's, it's, like, your own body purposely putting yourself in there, like, and let's not talk about season five, um... <laughs> but I do hold on but I do want to talk about season five I'm sorry um it's because this specifically it's him going why would you put yourself in here this isn't what you need and her going like I need this and then just that moment in season five when Ian is about to sign himself in but looks back to Mickey for that assurance that head nod Ugh. It just also can show, like, a healthy dynamic compared to Frank, who's just trying to be like, I'll fix you, I got you, let's go, let's go pop some molly and you'll feel better, right? Like, yeah, God. It just, it shows Monica, it probably took Monica, like, a lot to do this, but then we obviously know what happens later in the episode, so her yeah. word isn't the most pleasing. <laughs> like, it's really, really hard to make that step, which is why it's so easy to step out of it. Because it's so hard to stay committed to that and running away is always the easier option. Yeah, like, at this point, like, it's, like, addiction. Like, minus the drugs, like, it's an illness that's just, like, running up and down. So, like, yeah, it's gonna be hard to, like, yeah, it's easy to be, like, sure. But then it's so much easier to be, like, peace out. Yeah. I don't need this. You don't need to help me. And Frank, so Frank begs her to come home and she says, no, I, I fucking need this. And then back at the house, uh, Veronica comes over for coffee and to check on Fiona. And she asks about the kids and she asks if Steve stayed over. Meanwhile, Liam is just like in the corner being cute, making baby noises. Love that baby. Love that for him. Um, Fiona says she can't let Jimmy back into the madness. What if they get comfortable, she gets knocked up and her family goes crazy again. And she, Veronica's like, well, he's a big boy who can make his own decisions. And like, Fiona, you're worried about your crazy family scaring him off when last night he held your mother's wrists closed until the paramedics got there. Like, girl, like your family's bad, but he's already been involved in the bad. Like his cannot be any worse for her. He kidnapped your father and dropped him off in Canada to get him away from the family for a while. And last night he held your mom's arms until the paramedics got there. And then he came home and cleaned up the blood and then slept in the bed with you and your two siblings. Like, what do you think is going to scare him off? I don't know what commitment issue she thinks Jimmy has, but he clearly is over it if there ever was one. Just saying. Literally. 
So Frank comes home and says they have to get Monica out of the hospital, that uh, the hospital wants to make her normal. And Fiona's like, yeah, she fucking needs help, Frank. And she's, he starts to talk bullshit about electroshock therapy. And V's like, yeah, electroshock therapy is a real thing. Princess Leia did it, which is true. Carrie Fisher did have ECT and she did say that it helped her. What is ECT? electro uh shock therapy oh okay, okay gotcha. yeah. um frank is frank's lying about all the other parts of electroshock therapy like it is a real thing but like it is a medical like it is an approved medical thing that's not just like them zapping you whenever they feel yeah, like, like it's it. not like as common in like mental wards or anything like that like the whole image of it it's used for like a lot of times for like i heard that it's like helpful for like ticks and it helps with like jaw problems something like it like literally just like shocks your body back into place (laughs) yeah like it's not like the tormenting like like everything like how everyone it has been used for treatment of mood disorders but like it's a very controlled like medical process yeah it's not like they wheel you into like a beige scary room and chain you to the bed or something like that it's just kind of like all right yeah um so, and, but he's talking about this in front of Carl and it scares Carl to hear about it talk like this. And Fiona is like, they're not going to hurt Monica. She's in the hospital to get better. They are going to make her better. And Frank says that when Monica is on her meds, she's a zombie who gives up on her family and he's going to bust her out. Like he's it's purely selfish every reason he has for trying to get her out. And Frank tries to recruit Carl to help him. And Fiona's like, fuck you, no, you're not getting him to help you. And he's like, well then fuck you, I'm gonna go ask Debbie. Meanwhile, Fiona opens the mail and finds out she passed her GED. Queen, she did it. She did it, Uh, but we don't get to celebrate that. Instead, we follow Frank upstairs uh, where he interrupts Debbie in the bathroom to ask if she loves her mother. I hate him. I hate that man. (laughs) She just watched her mom get wheeled into the hospital last night. Do you love your mother? Come on, Frank. Over to Sheila's place. Jody is doing really good at this taking care of a baby thing. He's very good. He even got a fake boob for the baby to breastfeed. Which is a thing they do again in season 10. Yeah, with Lip, which is really cute. (laughs) With Lip and Fred, it's really cute. I love Jody. Jody... He's the only man. (laughs) Himbos are great with kids. That is a himbo's best quality is how good they are with kids. Don't get me wrong. Like, fucking even Kevin. Like, best dad in the entire world. Then Karen is home from the hospital. And Sheila is thrilled, but is very bad at lying. Karen's like, okay, where's the baby? I know you stole the baby, so where is the baby? But she calls it it. Where is it? Where is it? Like, she's so nasty about it. Sheila finally gives up and goes over to the dryer and takes the baby out. And she tries to, like, hand Jaime to Karen. And Karen doesn't want to fucking touch him. Sheila loves this baby so much. Like... She loves this baby. Like, it's her own blood. Like... The way Karen is just treating the whole situation, like, I get it because, like, if the shameless writers are smart, maybe it's, like, you know how, like, a lot of times when women's, women have birth and, like, they have, like, postpartum and, like, they don't want to touch their baby or they can't bond with their baby. But no, this isn't the case. Karen's just a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sure there's something of that going on in there, but, like, the they write her so nasty. That I don't and even want to think that it's something greater or less. I'm just, like, she's an asshole. <laughs> I hate hating on one of the female characters. Like, I don't like that about myself. I don't like when I get nasty about the female characters, but like when they do shit like this, how am I supposed to not hate them? How am I supposed to root for this character when all they're giving us is nasty, negative, 
group. Yes. Like, if one of the guys was acting like this about one of their kids, I would also hate him. Oh, yeah. Like, if freaking... That's why we hate Frank. <laughs> yes. But Lip is on Sheila's side. He's like, Sheila should keep this baby. Sheila wants this baby, should keep this baby. And Karen's like, it's not your fucking business. And Lip asks her to at least tell the dad. He's like, can you tell the dad that he is a dad, maybe? And she kicks him out of the house. So Lip, on his way out, tells Jody, you dodged a fucking RPG with that one. And Jody's like, don't I know it. (laughs) Jody's seeing her true colors. He's like, yeah, no, I definitely fell in love with the better one the second time. That's for sure. Sheila puts her foot down. She's like, I am not getting rid of this baby. It's not happening. And Karen's like, well, then fine. I'm going to call the fucking police because you stole this baby. So if we think about it realistically, Karen lives in the same household with her mother. Her mother is also uh, legally related to that baby. And the baby's in the household with the mother and the grandmother. What are the cops going to do? <laughs> exactly. It's not like Karen's going to take the baby and move out. Like, what What are the exactly. cops going to do? Speaking of the police and bad parenting, we're at the Milkovich house. Uh, Fiona is knocking on the door looking for Lip. Mandy answers and lets Fiona into the house. More Jeremy Allen White and Emmy Russell greatness here, but with only a few words. Like, a lot of- there's a lot of heavy silences in this episode. And uh, Mandy says Karen is a bitch which is correct. And Fiona's like, Lip, I passed my GED, so deal's a deal. You have to go back to school now. And Lip's like, yeah, no, that's not, I'm not doing that. Um, Lip was, Lip wasn't, Lip was at Thanksgiving. No. No. Does he know about, I don't think, I don't, doesn't seem like anyone told him about Monica yet. They might have when they went up to see the baby, somebody, but I don't know when that would have happened. Because they're all at the hospital, but it doesn't seem like, lips really in tune with everyone else about what happened last night but that also could just be like he was told and it didn't really or no the gallaghers came in they saw the birth of the baby lips stormed out and then the next time we saw him was walking back alone so no i don't know if he knows what happened with monica the shameless writers probably forgot to tell him (laughs) yeah so uh he's like fuck you i'm not going back to school and so fiona throws her hands up and leaves and mandy gives her an evil eye and slams the door in her face fuck off mandy like love you mandy but this is not your fight right now (laughs) she stands by her man that's a that's a good trait that the milkoviches have you're not wrong at the alibi where of course frank is uh frank is lying about how people get treated at the mental ward of the hospital and a local junkie is there. She's like, it's just all group. You sit in a group and you talk about your feelings and you ask if you can bring snack to group. Like, it's not, it's not like fucking cuckoo's nest. And Frank is like, Monica's my other half. I am going to spring her from this hospital, like this epic love thing. And then we hear Tommy speak up, because uh, Frank is talking to him. Tommy's son is a janitor at the hospital. So Wow, how convenient. We see some alarm bells go off in Frank's brain. Back at the Gallagher house, Jimmy says he set up a dinner with his family, just like Fiona asked. And Debbie says, oh, I've met your mom. I like her. <laughs> um, and then they're like, we're going to meet at a very fancy restaurant. My parents are paying. You should order the most expensive thing on the menu and bleed my dad dry. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's a good plan. So Debbie's like, I'm not going to be there. I have a sleepover with, um, I forget her name, the slutty girl that she goes to school with. Yeah, fucking Dove Cameron's character. <laughs> and then we do a quick cut to Tommy's son, who is sneaking Frank and Debbie into the ward. So Frank, Debbie does not have a sleepover. Debbie is No, Debbie's involved. scheming with Frank. <laughs> yeah. 
Frank and Debbie are in a hazardous waste bin and a, and a garbage bin on Tommy's son's cart that he is wheeling through the hospital. And he takes them into the ward where Monica is staying. And you know, that triggered some season 10 flashes in my brain. And uh, so yeah, Debbie's on a sleepover. She is in a medical waste bin, breaking into a mental ward with her alcoholic, insane father. We love to see it. So then the cops pull up to the Jackson house and what cops? That's right, the only cop in Chicago. Tony! And his brand new partner we've never seen before. Jody still calls Sheila mom, like in that whole thing. Yeah, I noticed that. (laughs) They hear the cops pull up and they like scramble to hide the baby and he calls her mom. And it was like, interesting. Does he also call her mommy? I don't. Honestly, probably. (laughs) So Karen comes down the stairs and she's like, yep, that's for you, mom. I, I called the cops. So she opens the door and Tony walks in and, uh, Sheila's like, oh, Tony, how have you been? Because she's a neighborhood mom. She knows everybody in the neighborhood. Apparently, Jody- Tony's mom skated with the ice capades. It's like... We learn fun- new, new things about him every day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Karen says Sheila and Jody stole her baby. And it's only then that Tony realizes that Karen, standing there with no pregnant belly, had already had her baby. Another unrealistic thing that television shows do. They have a very pregnant woman who has a baby and then she's immediately just like skinny again. Yeah, she's immediately skinny. She's not going through all the afterbirth kind of effects. Like, I I followed like a couple of like recently new mothers and I'm like, that doesn't seem like every TV show when someone gives birth. <laughs> they already have, they have the pregnancy belly for like a while still in real life. Yeah, because it's oh, all like way. the fluid and like bloat basically. That shit's there for like, you're still, you still got that baby weight for like a good while afterwards. And then also like, obviously like depending on how you get your baby ex- excluded. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of babies, Halsey just announced today because we're recording today on January 27th. Um, Halsey's gonna be a mom. She's got a little baby bump. With who? I don't know. Oh my goodness. But Halsey's gonna be a mom. That's so cute. Uh, so yeah, Tony's like, oh my god, congratulations, you had your baby. And Karen calls the baby the R-slur, that I'm not gonna say. And Tony's partner immediately corrects her language. He's like, that's not the word you use. Don't be saying that. Wow, a cop does something right. (laughs) Yeah, right. So Karen says, she's like, your mom, my mom and Jody stole the baby. And uh, there's a brief confusion and a need for a discussion on whether or not Jody is Sheila's boyfriend. It's like, my mom and her boyfriend stole the baby. And Sheila's like, he's not my boyfriend. He's like, I'm not, I'm not your boyfriend. Like a conversation for a different time, my dudes. So the cop, like there's a laundry basket on the table that they had hidden Jaime in. So the laundry basket starts to cry. Um, So they're like, is there a baby in that laundry basket? So Sheila says, yeah, and she picks him up and the cops, Tony and his partner are like, oh, look at the little baby. And Karen's like, okay, mom, give the baby to the police. And the cops are like, uh, let me get this straight. Uh, she has a, this baby has a blood relative who wants him and you want the system to instead take him and pay for him and take him on as a ward of the state. Do you want tacos? Like they just, just <laughs> they just totally are like, no, what do you want to do for lunch? <laughs> Yeah, they're just like, no, I'm, you know what? I feel like dinner. And they just decide to leave. They're like, nope, this is a ridiculous thing you're asking about. Like, literally my point, they're trying, she's trying to get a baby taken away from a blood relative who wants the baby. Whenever you put a baby into the system, regardless, they always try to find the next of kin that can take that baby. So, of course, they're not going to throw this poor old baby right into the system. Karen's out of her goddamn mind. Yeah. So, Karen says, well, mom, it's me or the baby. And Sheila's like, 
hun, it's the baby. I choose the baby. I don't know what other decision you thought was going to happen here. So Karen, like a like a fucking infant, storms upstairs. She's literally a teenager. Literally is a teenager, but she's a cunt. <laughs> yeah. Back at the hospital, Frank sneaks Debbie into Monica's ward and goes looking for her room and instead finds Kermit from oh, Calvi. I love him. <laughs> Kermit's like, yeah, I come here every once in a while. I get ECT therapy for my seizures. It, it really helps me sleep. Like, okay, Kermit, taking care of your mental health. And he lives on the south side. He goes to the doctor regularly. He's getting himself done. <laughs> Good for Kermit. So Frank, so Frank's like, do you know where Monica's room is? And Kermit points him in that direction. So he finds her room and he is there to get her out. And we see Monica laying in bed and she's like, Frank, what are you doing here? Um, she, Frank had interrupted her having sex with her roommate. Yep, her roommate was going down on her <laughs> under the covers. Played by the woman who played Dharma on Dharma and Greg. I didn't look up the actress's name, but that's what I know her from. Yeah. Um, which, and this situation is only made worse because when Debbie pops her head out of the medical waste tent and or medical waste bin and Monica looks at Frank like, really? For real? <laughs> More trauma? And now for something completely different. We're at a very fancy restaurant. Carl is having a lot of fun with a lobster. And he, Fiona, Ian, and Jimmy are at a table with Jimmy's mom, his brother, and his sister-in-law. And, um, uh, wait- yeah, we've already discussed this. We, we're just going to drop the whole he had a girlfriend in this other life situation, too. Cool. Were they engaged when we met her back I in- think I so. I think they were, because I think his mom mentions it or his brother, like, like after she, like, comes and kisses him, like, his brother's like, wow, how'd you land a ring or something? Does, like, a brotherly comment about her. But yeah, where'd she go? Yeah. So anyway, it's Jimmy's mom, his brother, his sister-in-law, Fiona, Ian, and Carl all sitting at this table, and Jimmy- and um, they sibling rivalry ensues at the table, and Jimmy's brother Chip is being a fucking asshole. And um, he brings up Jimmy's ex girlfriend, and Fiona's like, with a name like Chip, you'd think you'd want to defy the stereotype. Get him, Fee. And then uh, Jimmy's good old dad rocks up to the table, and guess, guess who? 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 Who's That's Jimmy's right. dad? It's Ian's hookup from the club, fucking Lloyd Lishman. Why? I don't know at what point if we find out if his real name is Ned or if his middle name is Ned or why we call oh, him Ned. Yeah, I feel like I think Ian might say it in passing to like someone after like they find out like he's hooking up with him. But I don't even really know. Like, I know that in the script his name is Ned because his wife yells it at some point. But like for now, it's Lloyd. Yeah, because she yells fucking, I think fucking ned fucking ned yeah during the um like that thing in 305 yeah uh but yeah he rocks up to the table ian goes stone face they like they're they recognize each other they make eye contact and they're just like it because i think they're going like jimmy's going around the table introducing his dad to everyone and he lands on ian and him and ian are just like <laughs> it's so funny wide eye eyebrow on their forehead um so ian excuses himself to the bathroom and then moments later, so does Lloyd. Uh, not so. I hate that whole ploy. Like this has happened. This happens all the time in Shameless. It's like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. Two characters make eye contact. A beat later, oh, I have to use the restroom as well. <laughs> it literally happened earlier this season with Fiona and Jimmy when they went on that double date. Mm -hmm. uh, so Carl orders everything expensive on the menu. Good. Good. Good for you. So Ian and Lloyd meet up in the bathroom and Ian's like, so do they know you're gay? 
And he's like, I'm not gay. And Ian's like, well, you, this hickey on my neck says a little bit of a different story. <laughs> and Lloyd says, anything that walks. Our bisexual king. <laughs> no, I'm going to revoke that title. <laughs> Speaking of people on a sliding Kinsey scale, Monica. I'm perfecting my transitions, I promise. Monica and Frank are having a heart-to-heart about the fact that Monica was just fucking her roommate when Frank walked in. And he says he didn't think Monica would come with him if he didn't bring Debbie with him. Um, which is probably true, but is also terrible. And apparently the roommate, who, yeah, I do have the same haircut as, but we're not gonna talk about it. The roommate is in there for a psych evaluation to stand trial for killing her husband. She shot him 26 times. She had to reload twice. Woman power. You know, yep. I wonder what he did to deserve to yeah, get I, shot he, he must have done something. <laughs> yeah, she didn't do that for no reason. So Frank lays the guilt on thick with Debbie being there and says, the kids need you, I need you, and it works. And Monica's like, fuck it, let's jailbreak. So Frank busts out a window, hangs down a rope, and it doesn't reach the ground. So the roommate's like, it will reach the women's room on the second floor. And so like they help fix the plan. And while that's unfolding, we go back to the Gallagher house uh, where they're unloading their leftovers from the restaurant. Carl stole a knife from the restaurant as Carl will do. And he says he wants to make a super gross breakfast. He wants to put lobster in his eggs tomorrow. That sounds good as hell. That sounds disgusting. What? Have you ever had like crab eggs? That shit goes- No, that's great. You fucking Maryland ass. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Dude, no. Freaking, that sounds amazing. Like, crab yeah, eggs are crab good. Crab your eggs? Your Maryland is showing there, Evan. It's called eating good, Amanda. You basic. I bet you put Old Bay on it too, don't you? I put Old Bay in fucking anything, bitch. It's so good. I put Old Bay in my fried pickles, in my eggs. Um, what else? I don't know. You're so, you've nailed yourself down as from Maryland just then. The thing is, is that I don't even, like, I'm not even, like, a fanatic. I eat crabs probably, like, twice a year. <laughs> like, I am, like, the least Maryland person out of the Maryland tier. But when I tell you we got some good food. I will give you one thing. Your state has the coolest flag of all the states. I don't know why we're so obsessed with it, but it, I do agree. It's cool as It's hell. the best flag. Look, my mom made me a, it's a keychain with the Maryland flag, but it's gay, so. <laughs> my state's flag is very boring. Yours is super fun. I don't even know what your state, I don't even. It's all yellow and it's got like an insignia in the middle of it. Like, it's stupid. I feel like everyone is just balls deep in the Maryland flag for some reason. I don't get it. <laughs> Fucking Ace of Cakes, man. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, gross breakfast. And so Fiona's like, fine, whatever, go to bed. And... So Jimmy is not in the room. It's just Ian and Fiona. Jimmy's going to the bathroom. So Ian's like, so Jimmy's dad, Lloyd, about him. And um, he backs out of it. But like, Ian, can you please tell the woman who is raising you about the inappropriate men who keep taking advantage of you? I beg of you. I beg of you. Oh. She never even knew about cash. I'm so, I will die mad about it. That makes me so mad. But it cuts him off because Jimmy comes out of the bathroom. He chickens out and he just goes upstairs to bed. So Fiona cleans up the kitchen a little bit and she cleans up the house and in another just quiet long moment where Fiona is cleaning Jimmy says I love you and Fiona's immediate reaction are you gonna leave everybody always leaves 
I love her. Like, oh. And then Jimmy insists he's not going to leave. And uh, just like she did earlier, he holds his hand out to her and invites her to come upstairs with him. Uh, But a moment, they they go upstairs and the camera just kind of stays on the stairs as they go up, even after they pass by. Because a moment later, we hear an incessant banging on the front door. And then they come right back down the stairs like the camera had just stayed there the whole time. It's Estefania. She's at the door. She's black and blue, beat up and in tears because Marco beat the shit out of her. Fuck Marco. So she she came running to the Gallagher house begging Steve for help. She's like, you're my husband. You have to help me. And I love this woman and I don't want anyone to ever lay a hand on her ever again. Estefania at no point has done anything wrong. Estefania has done zero wrong in this entire situation. Yeah, she's and, just there uh, for the ride. Like, her dad set her up with Jimmy. Like, she had no choice, basically, in anything. And because Fiona is a good person, when Estefania comes banging at the door, begging Steve for help, Fiona's like, your boyfriend did this to you? You're staying here. Like, no question about it. Just takes her in. Women standing up for women. I love it. Um, Because at no point was Fiona mad about mad at Estefania in this situation either. She was, she's been friendly with Estefania this entire time. Yeah, literally. And so I love her. And then we go back to the Milkovich house, another place where women get mistreated. Uh, Mandy wakes up to an empty bed because Lip is outside smoking. So she gets up and joins him. And she knows he's all broody about Karen. And she says, I don't get how someone can have a kid and not give a shit what happens to it. And then Mandy tells him to go home. And he's like, are you kicking me out? She's like, you should... You, you should just go home. Back at the hospital, uh, Monica, her roommate, Frank and Debbie, just walk out the front door. And I guess they rappelled down to the bathroom and then just walked out from there because that's not at a security checkpoint. Mm-hmm. And they just keep walking because Frank is in like a uniform. And there's a guy that's like, where's your badge? Where are all you people going? And Frank distracts the guy while Monica and the roommate and Debbie walk away and they successfully get away. However, um, when they get up to the car... Uh, Monica and her roommate are stealing the car and driving away, leaving Debbie and Frank behind while Monica screams, I love you, Debbie, from the window yeah, of the car. Yeah, she's like hanging out of the window, like screaming while driving away. And I was like, God damn it. Um, she told Debbie, Debbie says to Frank, she's like, she said we're better off without her. Oh my God, the trauma. That poor girl. She needs therapy. She doesn't get it and we end up hating her, but- This version of Debbie makes me sad. We have to talk about that hall of shame at the end of this too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, she's got mommy issues. It doesn't excuse her future actions. Uh, The next morning, Lip walks into school in a class he has not been attending all semester and sits down to take the final exam because he's a fucking genius. Yeah, he's smart as fuck. (laughs) The teacher even stops, looks at him for a second and just hands him the test. Like no complaint about it. And then after school... He goes to the Jacksons and sees Karen packing up to move out. He says he took the AP physics final. She's like, you haven't been to class all semester. He's like, I read the book a couple of years ago. That boy must have a photographic memory. He read an AP physics book a couple of years ago and just walked in and took the final. I, God damn it, Lip is so smart. So Karen takes her shit, tells Sheila, this is the last chance. It's me or it's the baby. And she's like, do not do this, Karen, but, like, it's the baby. I'm sorry. So Lip follows Karen as she leaves, and, uh, so Karen walks out the door, and Lip follows her as she leaves, and he tells her, you're gonna regret doing this. You're going to regret walking away from your kid like this. And again, a long, beautiful, silent moment 
and Karen just gives up and keeps walking away. Mm-hmm. Over the Gallagher's, Jimmy's dad is still texting Ian to hook up. Bruv, enough. <laughs> Even if you find out your son is dating this kid's older sister, you're still like, let's fuck. You piece of garbage. Ian's is married. And Ian's a child. Ian's a child. He's 16, maybe 17 at this point. (laughs) Carl and Jimmy are having an airsoft war in the living room. And again, Jimmy tries to talk to Fiona about the Lloyd thing. Oh, no. Um, Ian tries to talk to Fiona about the Lloyd thing, but gets interrupted by Frank walking in to raid the squirrel fund. And then again, Lloyd texts Ian. And again, Frank looks for money, finds none. So he takes a case of beer from the fridge. It's Ian's beer. Ian bought that beer from work. So he stands up to Frank. He's like, no, fuck you. Give that back. So Frank attacks Ian, slamming him against the fridge. And Fiona tries to pull him off. But Estefania comes up from behind with a frying pan to the back of Frank's head. And she says, we see it in the translation, motherfucking Marco men who hit children and women get frying pans. Yes. Yes, Estefania. Estefania writes... We love Estefania in this house. The prototype for Svetlana. <laughs> Literally the blueprint. <laughs> Estefania walked so Svetlana could run. Literally. So the family drags a passed out Frank outside and just dumps him on the lawn. And even Debbie is over it. Even Debbie who would it, like give him a blanket or a pillow is done with his shit. And then we see Lip, bag on his shoulder, walk up to the house, step over Frank, and come up the back steps and he opens the back door and everybody inside, like they're tending to Ian and everything's crazy, but they stop and look at him. And then he just walks in and Fiona hugs him and everyone else hugs him and, and Lip is back in the house. Love him. And I'm the, so happy that he's back. <laughs> the camera goes out the kitchen window and lingers over Frank laying on the lawn. And then later that night, we cut to Fiona and Jimmy Steve in bed, trading soft kisses with each other. And Fiona keeps talking about all the things she needs to do in the morning. And she's like, I can't, we can't have sex again. I've got to do lunches. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And Jimmy's like, "Uh uh-huh. As he kisses down her body. Um, But he finally shuts her up and they get to fuck. Uh, In the kitchen, Lip is enjoying a beer, enjoying being home. Uh, He walks past Estefania, who is laying on the couch, uh, because that's where she's sleeping. She says she's cold. She's like, you hot? I am cold. Uh, So he says, fuck it. And curls up on the couch. It's like very cute and innocent. Like, like you you think like something's going to happen, but it's just like, they're just, they're going to bed. He basically lets her hold him from behind. And like, they both clearly need that. Like, it's very sweet. It's very sweet. It could have been creepy, but it wasn't. It was super sweet. And uh, we cut to credits. And then the last after credit scene of season two, Frank wakes up in like an entire foot of snow and just starts walking away. <laughs> I couldn't identify the song in the credits, but that's it. That is the end of season two of Shameless. What did we think of this quiet contemplative episode, Evan? As like draining as it was of an episode, I really enjoyed it. Like, I feel like it's a, it was a good sum up for the for the whole season because it kind of like it ended a bunch of the storylines we've been dealing with like a a couple of them are gonna obviously like roll over into season three and stuff like that 
but Monica always makes me sad, but freaking she's so good in all of her scenes that it always makes up for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Chloe Webb is insanely Chloe good. Webb is the only woman. <laughs> like, it's a joy to watch her, even if I'm depressed the entire time. Um, yeah, this, this episode, it's like, it was like the exact opposite of Hurricane Monica. Hurricane Monica was like, go, 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 go. And this was just like a, a quiet... Like, it only took place over the course of, like, one day. It was, like, the night of Thanksgiving and then the whole next day, and that was it. And it was, yeah, it was really quiet and drawn out and long, and it felt like a nice, like, soft landing, Mm -hmm. which is not a thing that, like, every, I feel like every other season finale has been, like, and then an explosion, like. Yeah, like, something crazy happens right before, like, the last, like, five minutes of the episode, and you're left there, like. But this one, it really, like, sums it up. Did they know they were, um, due for season three at this point? I don't know. I'm not sure if they, like, knew that they were coming back or if they were just trying to, like, teeter out and to, like, teeter out just in case. But, like, yeah, this sets up the Lloyd thing that, like, clearly isn't over because he keeps texting Ian. And, like, now Fiona and Jimmy are in a good place in their relationship. And, like, it sort of finished things, but it also left doors open for the next season. Yeah, because it's, um, it leaves a door open for the whole Lip and Mandy, um, Lip, Mandy, and Karen storyline because that advances in the season three. And then I'm trying to think what else. Debbie and Carl really don't have a consistent storyline yet because they're still babies. And that leads me into, let's talk about the Hall of Shames for a minute. Um, Now that season two has wrapped, we're going to talk about season 11 for a while. The last time we talked, I don't think we had even seen Lips Hall of Shame yet. So since then, Lips Hall of Shame, Lips Hall of Shame and Debbie, Carl, and Liam's Hall of Shame has happened. And two things happened to me in those weeks. Lips Hall of Shame made me want to go back and watch season six through eight for the first time and be excited to watch it. Lips episode De- was so good. Me and Sebastian were like, are you doing the whole it was time? Fan fucking tastic. Like, oh my god, I bet Jeremy carried those seasons on his back. Oh yeah. Any my, I will say it. Lip in college, that was that was Jeremy's that was Jeremy's time. That was Jeremy's yeah. show. I'm like genuinely excited to see that part of it, but then going into the Debbie Liam Carl episode it made me not want to watch a single second of anything they do of season six through nine i don't give a i do not give one single fuck about anything that happened in any of their storylines in all of those flashbacks like if you think about liam's character what's his actor's name right now uh isaiah yeah um i think you might be right but he's only been with the show since like season eight all before them, Liam's been a toddler. Like, there's not much you could even give Liam to begin with because they aged him at such a weird time that they, even when he was, like, a baby, that he still didn't have any lines. Like, even when, before they got the current, uh, Liam, the, like, I feel like Liam was never in anything. Liam didn't have a storyline. Liam was just, like, the backpack of whatever character was going through something. (laughs) Christian Isaiah is his name. Christian Isaiah. Um, but, like, I I feel like they couldn't even really done anything with his. Because his plotlines for, like, have only just been backing up another character's plotlines, give or few him having his own little things. Although, with that said, Liam's storylines of all three of those is the one that I would give any fucks about. Carl and Debbie's? Yeah, because I like Liam. 
um, Liam's a good character that I enjoy seeing stories from, and he's one of the two black people in this entire show about the South Side that's on the whole fucking show. Um, but Debbie and Carl's, I couldn't give a fuck what they've gone through in the seasons I've missed. I couldn't give a fuck! Was Debbie's just about, like, she got pregnant? Yeah. Debbie, Debbie raped a man and, and then trapped another man. And I don't care. And I don't care. And I don't care. I, I don't fucking care. Like, I'm so angry about everything about Debbie. It makes me so mad. And then Carl, everything about Carl is either racist and offensive or just offensive. And now it's, he's a cop. So it's like racist and offensive and he's a cop. And like, ah, I used to like, everything that is racist is offensive inherently, but yeah. I still enjoy Carl. And like, I used to be a big fan of his storylines, but this cop storyline and the whole like cop Academy last season, like it's just, it's not doing it for me. Like it's not the Carl everyone watched the show for. It's not the Carl that we were given like the thug bitch. Like Regard like minus him thinking he was black at that one point and saying the n-word to his girlfriend's dad um and then just being a complete asshole but i feel like his storylines were always so interesting like we had that uh that little delinquent girl who they like robbed the like stores to get that's the last carl storyline i ever remember liking was yeah cassie. like yeah with cassie like that was cute like and then we had him helping um that one uh girl and her family from being deported when he worked at like the fish and chips place and stuff like that like he had so many good arcs that could have helped him but still being like an asshole but then they just threw the cop on top of it and i'm like i don't care anymore like i don't care from any of his development or what he said or done i'm like you put him into these scenarios with all of the shit he's gone through in the past and then expect me to be like Thanks, Carl. We love you, Carl. I do maintain that that storyline of him and the girl that he worked with at the store was a fucking waste of time. Not because she was a bad character, because I genuinely enjoyed her as a character. It was a waste of time because they were going to use it to also be a catalyst of a Mickey is afraid of the cartel storyline, but they just threw that out the fucking window. Yeah. Like, they, like, he was- Like, it became a waste of time. He was like, why'd you come in the back door? And he was like, a bunch of freaking people are out front. Um, and then- the two deleted scenes that we had was he saying he was afraid of the cartel and that he had to change his face and he was running from the cartel. They just cut that storyline out. And like, if they had left it in, everything happening with Carl would have made so much more sense. What I was assuming is like, you know, that scene during uh, season 10 or whatever, when like the new um, tamales people are like stepping out of the car. I was yeah. expecting them to be the cartel and them using the tamales as like a cover up. And then that's who like, mickey was running from but then they literally didn't even talk about mickey and that at all for the rest of the season besides the one episode he returned so when they eventually did write her out in the middle of the season i was just like and we're never going to talk about it again like that was just an enormous waste of time like it was a good like storyline like i'm glad it was like at least interesting but like yeah waste of time didn't add anything to the thing and then we had because that that also started the whole carl what's his um naval girlfriend's name again i forget oh i don't fucking know i forget her name like she was irrelevant too um but then it's like the love triangle quote unquote of them and then she like gives carl like an std or something like that and i'm like you could have done so much more than just make it about like sex in the end because at the end plus they made this very young actor suddenly have so many sex scenes so many sexual moments like the second he fucking turned 18 
Yeah, he. I forget what his um, the cop dad girlfriend. I forget her name. Um, yeah. Yeah, like the moment they were fucking, <laughs> they were fucking right away. And yeah, so like, like I said, the lip hall of shame made me go, oh fuck. I'm so excited to get to season six through nine and see everything happening with Lip. This shit looks amazing. And then Debbie, Liam, and Carl made me go, I am going to fast forward through their shit. Like, I, I, and it was such a boring waste of time. Um, what even was their episode mainly about? Because we had Lips being about Fred's not feeling well, so he's telling, like, a fairy tale. So what was, um, theirs about? Liam... Had a COVID girlfriend, had a girl that broke up with him. And that's it. He was upset that his girlfriend broke up with him. And then they're like, well, it's because you're a Gallagher. That's it. It's because you're a Gallagher. And then immediately into flashbacks. They got like two lines before they started jumping into flashbacks. Like, it, it was fucking bad. But anyway, as of right now, January 27th, we just got stills for 11.05. Actually, as Evan and I were recording, our group chat was lighting up. I'm freaking Lena was blowing up our from phone. Lena. Oh no, pictures from 1106. Do not go gently into that good. Eh, screw it. Has Sandy pushing Terry in a wheelchair and Debbie there and Ian and Mickey are in an ambulance full of guns. And there's a great photo of Mickey sitting on the couch with Ian and Frank and uh, Mickey's uh, Mickey's got his ring on. And someone pointed out that Frank is wearing a hospital bracelet and... Sandy and Debbie clearly get into a fight. Um, why is Terry all done up like that? Can we please make Terry die? Yeah, I, I'm glad to see Terry injured, but like, I don't want any sympathy for that man. Fuck that. comes back in season 11 and just murders Terry. I just want Terry to die, man. I just want Terry to die. Die. But anyway, that's the end of season two. We did it, Evan. We've finished, we've completed season two. And that means season three is right around the fucking corner and I'm so excited. I don't know if we'll take a break. We probably won't. We'll probably record whenever we feel like it. I'm deep in a Supernatural rewatch. I'm still going to work on that other podcast so that I can have two things going at once. Who knows? But we're so happy to have you here. We're so happy that season three is about to happen. The Mickey content we are about to receive. The only content we deserve. We are not worthy. We are not worthy of the Mickey content we are about to be blessed with. And you know what comes after season three? Season four, Evan. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I'm very into this. Um, we're, I appreciate everybody listening. I hope that some I've convinced some of my TikTok followers to jump over here. Hello, if you're here from TikTok. Um, we've got pretty okay numbers going. We, we're, we're doing all right. You know, I I would always love more people to come and listen to us, but I'm happy to have you all here. And if you would like to follow us on the social media, if you found me from my TikTok, uh, mine is at abnormalamanda underscore 18. You can find me at abnormalamanda18 on Instagram or at abnormalamanda on Twitter. Where can they find you, Evan? Evan? Uh, you can find me at I Wanna Die 4000 on Instagram and TikTok. Um, I promise I'm okay. I have to reassure that every time I say my username. <laughs> um, I don't really use Twitter that much, but you can follow me on Twitter at InternetLifeYo. And then all of the links to contact us to all of our social medias, where you can get in contact with us, where you can listen, is going to be on our website at theluckwehad.card.co. And card has two R's. 
And that link is in the bio of our Instagram and our Twitter, which is at luckwehadpod. Or you can email, if you've got things you want to get off your chest about the show, email us at luckwehadpod at gmail.com. That's it. And everything's going to be in the show notes below. Um, We're super fucking excited that we've rounded out season two. It's very thrilling. And we're, we're, we're going to dive into season three as soon as fucking possible because season three is that meaty, meaty good shit. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, but until we get there, thank you all for sticking with us. Thank you for sticking through the season. And we will see you next season. See you next season. Woohoo! All right. And uh, so goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>